MSW Media. Hello, happy Wednesday, everyone. This episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by my favorite daily nutritional drink, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for their support. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. Today, Attorney General Merrick Garland will make remarks on the progress of the January 6th investigation. The 1-6 committee has asked Sean Hannity to cooperate as a fact witness, saying they have text messages between him and the chief of staff during the attack on the Capitol. Two Oath Keepers are suing the committee over a subpoena of their phone records in the first public-facing overlap of the Department of Justice and congressional investigations. The committee is hoping for the Supreme Court to deliver Trump's White House records and three more Capitol Police officers sue Donald Trump. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Hey. This is uh, round two. (laughs) (laughs) I just got thrown under the bus. Right at the beginning of the podcast, but I deserve it. Continue. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's technical difficulty. We were, you know, to be fair, we were like maybe six or seven minutes in and we realized uh, one of the things, one of the devices wasn't working properly. Um, sadly, it was the funniest we've ever been. Ever been. Lives. Ever been. So it's all lost. It'll never, never be retrieved again. So this is, much like Tenacious D, a tribute to the greatest first six minutes of any podcast since we really can't relive it. I I agree. And thank you. Sometimes a cord's just not plugged in all the way. (laughs) (laughs) And isn't that, isn't that a metaphorical for life? My cord is, my cord was just not plugged in all the way, AG. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That oftentimes happens just to me, metaphorically speaking. There you go. I'm with you. We have a good episode though. You didn't miss out on everything because who do we have? The interview today. I love this guy. Yeah, of course. It's Glenn Kirshner, right? And he and I are going to talk about what to expect from Merrick Garland's remarks today. He's going to be speaking to Department of Justice employees and to us, really. I mean, just sort of like via, like through that sort of speech. It's not a press conference. You probably won't be taking questions, but it's going to be an interesting uh, set of remarks. And Glenn and I are going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. So I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. But before we do that, what do we have to do? I forget. What do we do uh, every day at this time? Oh, Um, I know. Is it the shot in for it? No. Is it uh, corrections? No. Oh, you know what? Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Still working on that. We're delirious over here, people. We are delirious today. I hope you're having a good hump day because woo we five days into January and everything's fine. All right. Yep. Yep. Everything's fine. Everything's normal. And from Kyle Cheney at Politico today, two Florida-based members of the Oath Keepers who are facing conspiracy charges by the Department of Justice for breaching the Capitol are suing the January 6th committee to block a subpoena for their personal phone records from them. Kelly and Connie Meggs, two of the 19 defendants in the most sprawling case to emerge from the mob attack in the Capitol, say they were notified of the subpoena by Verizon last month. The subpoena seeks phone records of their family plan from November 2020 through January 2021. It is the first indication 
that the committee is seeking the records of defendants facing criminal charges for storming the Capitol. The Megses were among the dozen Oath Keepers who famously entered the Capitol in the so-called stack of formation. Remember that? Oh, I do remember that. I remember you pointing it. Oh, yeah. And you were like, these look like military people. Yeah, yeah. I I tweeted on January 8th. I'm like, look at these fucking guys. And I was like, the lady in the pink hat probably has really good video of their faces. Somebody should look into that. Well, yeah, that's the the Megses are two of those. And Kelly Meg's private messages revealed by prosecutors indicate he was searching for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and he's been held in detention for nearly a year awaiting trial. Connie Meggs, his wife, was released by Judge Maida, who determined the evidence of her participation in the alleged conspiracy showed she played less of a central role than her husband, the one that was uh, searching for, for Pelosi. January 6th committee has already subpoenaed Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers, for documents and testimony, but Rhodes has not been charged by the Department of Justice in connection with the attack on the Capitol. But he was present on the grounds that day outside the building, and videos show him assembling many of the Oath Keepers at a rally point nearby. He also communicated frequently with Kelly Meggs and others throughout the breach. Now, in their lawsuit, the Meggses here, filed by attorneys Julie Holler and Jonathan Mosley. By the way, Julie Holler, cracking elite strike force fame. She's one of the 10 or so attorneys that has been sanctioned Good by Lord. Judge Chutkin in Michigan. <laughs> Her law license is under review right now for either suspension or disbarment. And Jonathan Mosley also represents Ali Alexander. They're representing Connie and Kelly Meggs, respectively, in the criminal case. The Meggses say the subpoena is illegitimate because it doesn't further the committee's legislative purpose, could prejudice a future jury, and seeks too broad a tranche of records from Verizon. Your, your phone records request is too broad. It's phone records, dumbasses. A release of these records, quote, with a pending criminal trial would be unduly and highly prejudicial to getting a fair jury cut from a cross-section of the District of Columbia. That's what their attorneys are arguing, saying basically, hey, if the public finds out who these guys really are, they're going to really hate them. That'll be bad for their criminal trial. <laughs> Quote, and uh, the subpoena seeks records that would provide information about the Megs' personal life over three months. And because Mrs. Meg's Verizon account was a family plan, there could be others involved. And that implicates privacy interests of those third parties. Yeah, well, you just don't hand those over, you fuck faces. Yeah, redact them, I, I, you I, jackass. I, <laughs> anyway, we'll see what happens. Although I will discuss this with Glenn a little bit later. It is important to preserve, you know, to, you don't want to prejudice future grand juries. That's why we don't talk about investigations that are ongoing and that we have to make sure we avoid a situation where, you know, they get up and testify January 6th committee and it's different from a testimony in, in a court of law or a grand jury. And that can bring questions out as to the you know solidity of, of the investigation. It can also it can also taint juries. So they do have to be careful of those kinds of things. I'm 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 sure that Department of Justice is working with the committee, as Benny Thompson has said they would, to make sure that they don't step on each other's toes. Well, hopefully they do not. And to continue on with this, the January 6th Select Committee is preparing to ask Fox News Channel host Sean Hannity for his voluntary right now cooperation with this investigation of the assault on the U.S. Capitol. And that's a source, direct knowledge of a plan, and that's what they told Axios. So Hannity, as we know, is one of the most prominent media figures in America, and he was a close advisor to the former guy throughout his entire presidency. Now, the committee revealed last month that Hannity texted then-White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows during the riot to urge him to get Trump to stop his supporters, which is fucking ridiculous since, what, two hours later, he was like, it's QAnon, it's Black Lives Matter, it's, yeah, all right. Now, Tim Mulvey, mm-hmm. who's a mm-hmm. spokesperson for the January 6th committee, declined to comment when asked about the pending Hannity request. So Jay Succulo, 
not surprising at all, (laughs) is actually representing Sean Hannity. And he told Axios, if true, any such request would raise serious constitutional issues, including First Amendment concerns regarding freedom of the press. Yeah. Now, I've got issues with that because Fox News is an actual news. It's an entertainment network. I'm not even sure if Hannity would qualify literally as press because he's a he's a talking head on an entertainment network. Yeah. And not only that, but they say in the letter, the January 6th committee, we don't want any of your press and news shit. We just want what you said directly to the chief of staff. Yeah, no (laughs) shit. We don't need your uh, transcripts from the show. Thanks. Hannity condemned the attack on the U.S. Capitol, saying on his show on that night after the riot that, quote, all of today's perpetrators must be arrested and prosecuted. But Hannity has never criticized the former guy for his role in ginning up the crowd in D.C. that day. And he has criticized the Congressional Committee investigating January 6th as well. So there's two other Fox News hosts. We got Laura Ingram, the host of the 10 p.m. show, The Ingram Angle, and Brian Kilmeade, a host of the morning show, Fox and Friends. They also weighed in with Meadows in real time as Trump supporters stormed the Capitol to disrupt the certification of Joe Biden's electoral victory. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them because they were also texting Mark Meadows. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we knew this. They, they said that when they did the hearing for Med- holding Meadows in contempt. Meadows handed those text messages over voluntarily before he probably got shut down by the former guy and stopped cooperating. And uh, I, actually, another thing with Glenn Kirshner I'll talk about is where we're at with his potential criminal contempt indictment. Yeah. Uh, Hannity. Mm, yeah. The, the, uh, and you know what, Dana? It, it, it says explicitly in that letter in, in the request for voluntary information. You know, again, we aren't trying to come after you for your news and your sourcing or whatever, you know, news, quote unquote. We, exactly. we really are. We're, we want to interview you as an advisor, a political advisor to the president. And yeah. so that, that has nothing to do with 1A rights. All right. From Hugo Lowell at The Guardian, our friend. He says the select committee opened its investigation efforts into the January 6th insurrection when a pro-Trump mob stormed the Capitol to stop the certification of Biden's election win with a flurry of subpoenas to Trump officials to expedite the evidence-gathering process. But aside from securing a cache of documents from Trump's former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, the select committee has found itself wading through molasses with Trump and other top administration aides seeking to delay the investigation by any means possible. Former president has attempted to block the select committee at every turn, instructing aides to defy subpoenas from the outset, and most recently, launched that last-ditch appeal to the Supreme Court to prevent the release of sensitive White House records from the National Archives. His aides are following Trump in lockstep as they attempt to shield themselves from the probe, doing everything from filing frivolous lawsuits to stop the select committee from obtaining phone records, to invoking the Fifth Amendment so as not to respond in depositions, or to be like Bannon and just not show up at all and tell everyone to go fuck themselves. That's uh, paraphrasing. That's yeah, not what people sure. said yeah. in The Guardian. <laughs> the efforts, <laughs> the efforts uh, amount to a cynical ploy by Republicans to run out the clock until midterms, right? And use the election calendar to characterize the interim report, which the Bipartisan Select Committee hopes to issue by the summer as a political exercise to damage the GOP. I don't know if it's political. I think that might just be when they want to do it. I know they definitely want to be finished by the time the midterms happen. The Select Committee sources close to the investigation say, is therefore hoping for a breakthrough with the Supreme Court, which experts believe will ensure the panel can access the Trump White House records over the former president's objections about executive privilege. Quote, I think the Supreme Court is very unlikely to side with Trump, and part of it is the nature of executive privilege. It's a power belonging to the president, said Jonathan Schaub, former DOJ Office of Legal Counsel attorney and law professor, University of Kentucky. It's hard to see, he continues, 
how a former president could exercise constitutional power under a theory where all of the constitutional powers are vested in the current president. So I think Trump is very likely to lose or the court may not even take the case. Members of the select committee note that several courts, U.S. District Court, U.S. Appeals Court, have already ruled that Biden has the final say over which White House documents are subject to privilege, especially executive privilege since he's the fucking president, and uh, that the panel has a legislative purpose, that we found that many judges have decided that. A victory for the select committee at the Supreme Court is important, members believe, not only because it would give them access to the records Trump has fought hard to keep hidden, but because it would supercharge the inquiry with crucial momentum going into what we expect to be public hearings very soon. I sure hope it does. Now, we've got three more police officers who responded to the January 6th attack on the Capitol, including two who aided the evacuation of lawmakers. They are suing Donald Trump, seeking damages for their physical and emotional injuries. I wonder how many people are suing him at this point, because I feel like it's got to be double digits. Mm. Yeah, a Capitol Police officer who defended lawmakers in the House chamber during the violent Capitol assault filed the first of two new lawsuits against Trump on Tuesday, asking a court to hold the former president responsible for the mob of his supporters who conducted the attack. Now, the other lawsuit was filed by two officers with the Metropolitan Police Department who were called to help the Capitol Police during the insurrection. In a 49-page lawsuit filed in federal court in Washington, D.C., Capitol Officer Marcus Moore, a 10-year veteran of the force, described the intense terror of the day as he moved from his post at the Madison Building to the east side of the Capitol and eventually into the House chamber, helping evacuate lawmakers to safety. He's seeking a judgment against the former guy and a compensatory damages, saying explosions inside and outside the building left him with tinnitus. He also indicated he witnessed one rioter inside the Capitol armed with a gun. So Moore is one of hundreds of Capitol police officers who describe themselves as traumatized by the violence at the Capitol and who have continued to pinpoint Trump and his months-long campaign to overturn the 2020 election results as the source of that day's violence. He's also the 10th officer to sue Trump and accuse him of instigating the attack. Now, two officers, James Blasingame and Sidney Hemby, filed suit against Trump in March. Another seven filed suit in August. That's a lot of people with suits against the former guy. It is. It is, absolutely. And a little bit of an announcement. Tomorrow, on the anniversary of January 6th, I will be talking with Officer Harry Dunn and an op-ed that he wrote in the Washington Post. Wow, that's going to be fantastic. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah. And um, yeah. Ooh, and what a just and what an amazing person he is. And then, of course, up next to discuss the upcoming remarks from Attorney General Merrick Garland today is former federal prosecutor and host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's show is being brought to you by Helix Sleep. Do you ever wake up feeling more exhausted than when you went to bed or sore? Well, getting a good night's sleep is essential to our health and our well-being. You know, I used to toss and turn all night. I thought it was anxiety, but turns out I was sleeping on somebody else's mattress or at least one that wasn't made for me. But then I found Helix Sleep. And after I take their quick online sleep quiz, I had the completely wrong mattress for the way I sleep and they fixed it for me. To get the best night's sleep of your life, go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and take the quiz. They'll match your sleep preferences and body type with a mattress that's perfect for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have uh, mattresses ideal for regulating body temperature if you sleep hot. They have mattresses that are great for spinal alignment, and they have some that help prevent morning aches and pains. And they have a Helix Plus Size mattress for our beautiful plus size sleepers. My quiz matched me with a Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. 
Now I wake up feeling rested and refreshed with a mattress made just for the way that I sleep. And Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews, and it was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by both GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a solution for improving your sleep. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They even have financing options available, along with flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. I'm joined today by former federal prosecutor from the District of Columbia U.S. Attorney's Office, which is very centrally focused in this current ongoing investigation into 1-6 and host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner. Hey, Glenn. Hey, G. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. So today is the big day when Department of Justice Attorney General Merrick Garland is going to come out, talk to, from my understanding, the employees of the Department of Justice to assure them that they are full steam ahead in the investigation into January 6th. Now, what do you <laughs> what do you expect him to say? And more importantly, what do you expect him not to say? Oh, he's not going to say that indictments are about to drop regarding the following bad actors. Everybody got a pen because I'd like you to take this down. That is what we are not going to hear. I wouldn't expect us, you know, him to say those kind of things. And AG, as frustrated as I get about the radio silence, when I was at the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office for nearly a quarter of a century, I never uttered a word about who I might be indicting tomorrow or next week or next month. That's the way, you know, business is supposed to be done. There are all kinds of good reasons for that. What I do expect is we're going to hear lots of we're following the law, we're following the facts. No, you know, no rock will remain unturned and we will hold everyone accountable who we believe the evidence shows committed crime. Now, that is a lot like prosecutors making a statement like we intend to inhale. Thereafter, we will exhale. It's business as usual. It's what we expect from prosecutors to follow the law and follow the facts. And we'll have to see what other you know meat he may put on the justice bones. But I'm looking forward to whatever it is he says, because we have heard so little. Yeah. And that's something we've been asking for. I know I've been tweeting about it. Hey, come come out January 6th, January 5th. Come out on the one year anniversary. Give us an update, at least about, you know, because I'm not going to sit here and say that the Department of Justice should tell us who they're investigating and what charges they're looking at. This isn't Michael Sherwin. (laughs) It's not his show anymore. (laughs) But I was saying, hey, at least get up in front of the cameras. You know, I was even asking the D.C. U.S. attorney perhaps to do that. But what I did notice, at least in the public reporting from NPR about what is going to be discussed by Merrick Garland and that public statement that I tweeted out and that you went over in a recent Justice Matters video from the D.C. U.S. attorney's office, some of that language is similar, including this investigation will not wane and also We are going to hold all of those responsible, accountable. And that to me, again, I mean, we're looking at very subtle, very deliberate language. You know, this attorney general is not a loud, bombastic hot banger like Bill Barr. You know, he he uses his words very carefully and deliberately and very wisely. 
And so I just I, I feel like I want to caution everybody. Like you said a moment ago, he's not going to come out and say, all right, everybody, here's who we're investigating. Because, you know, you know this and I know this. They investigate crimes, not people. Yeah. And I was encouraged by that statement that they issued because, yeah. you know, I want to hear that he's going to hold everybody responsible because we know that some of the folks responsible were the foot soldiers of the insurrection, the knuckleheads who were actually breaching the Capitol, assaulting officers, destroying property and hunting for elected officials. Those are some of the people responsible. But we all know, you know, because we've seen it publicly reported and we've seen it on videotape, there are also planners, organizers, funders and insiders who are responsible, legally responsible. So the more we hear about everybody being held responsible, including people who are powerful, influential, connected, political, the, you know, the, the better I begin to feel about the work the Department of Justice is doing. Yeah. And we got, uh, well, what Politico refers to as our first indication of overlaps between Department of Justice and the 1-6 committee. I contend it's the second overlap because we know that the Department of Justice, D.C. U.S. attorney has a grand jury looking into Sidney Powell and the crack and strike force. And the 1-6 committee is also very interested in that fundraising. But this is from an actual uh, lawsuit about a subpoena from the Megses, a couple of oath keepers, right, charged with conspiracy by Department of Justice that the 1-6 committee last month subpoenaed their Verizon family plan phone records and their lawyers. You'll be happy to know Julie Holler and Jonathan Mosley. Julie Holler is being considered for disbarment because of her actions in, in Michigan with the sanctions, with the Sidney Powell sanctions, who, again, is under federal criminal investigation right now. And so this is sort of we're starting to see and I think we're going to see more of this, Glenn, overlaps between the committee's work and the Department of Justice's investigation into one six. And I think there is so much overlap that we don't know about, which is exactly as it should be. But I got a kick out of the political reporting because, you know, the Megses are attacking the subpoena for their cell phone records, I believe, because they claim it, the, the committee lacks a legislative purpose. It's like, well, I'm glad the Megs are the, the keepers of the, you know, legislative torch to make sure Congress is, you know, not overreaching. But, you know, it's really absurd when you realize that the only law, the only court opinions, the only precedent in the on this issue presently is unanimous. And it was by a trial court judge, uh, Judge Tanya Chutkin. It was by a unanimous three judge panel of the D.C. Federal Circuit Court of Appeals. They all said, go away. There are multiple legitimate legislative purposes. And now what we're all waiting for is the Supreme Court to refuse to review that decision because that will at least lay, lay it to rest. It will be the state of the law, if not entirely the law of the land, because I understand it's just a D.C. Federal Circuit Court appellate opinion. But once the Supreme Court says, yeah, we're not touching it, in other words, we are inferentially giving it our stamp of approval then all of the legislative purpose nonsense that we hear from the Scott Perry's, and I'm sure we'll be hearing it from Jim Jordan and the Megs, they're all birds of a feather, that will no longer be a thing. It will no longer be an argument. Mm -hmm. now, now, you and I have talked multiple times about this crossover between committee and Department of Justice. 
concerned, you you know, you have said, if I'm the Department of Justice, I get them in there first. I get everything first. Then I let the committee have it. Because one of the defenses that uh, Julie Holler and Jonathan Mosley are making on behalf of the Megses is uh, you're going to make my clients look bad for our criminal trial. You Mm -hmm. could prejudice a jury. And that's actually a consideration that I've had and you've had in the past about what goes on in Congress and how we have to make sure it doesn't muck up any criminal prosecutions. What do you think of that particular aspect of it? And do you assume that the Department of Justice is in contact with the 1-6 committee to ensure that that doesn't happen, that they don't shit all over their criminal investigation? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question. There are, I think, two separate avenues we can go down. One is everybody deserves a fair trial. It was my job as a prosecutor to make sure I didn't do anything that would endanger a defendant's right to a fair trial, which is precisely why prosecutors don't talk about pending investigations or upcoming prosecutions. We only speak publicly after the jury has spoken. So yes, the Megs will are entitled to a fair trial and it's DOJ's responsibility to give it to them. But that's what jury selection is for. I tried some very high profile cases and we were able to sit jurors who promise to be fair and impartial and follow the law and the facts and disregard anything else they might have known coming into jury selection. We can and we will continue to impanel fair and impartial jurors, even while Congress is doing their work, including against the Meg. So they're going to get their fair trial. That, I think, is a legitimate argument for a a defendant pending trial to make. Listen, I'm concerned that the more publicity that's out there, the harder it's going to be to pick a truly fair and, and impartial jury. That's a losing argument, but it's a straight-faced argument more than the legislative purpose argument at this point. But then the other, I think, avenue we can go down is when I was prosecuting cases and other organizations, whether it was city council or Congress or whomever, wanted to get their hands on my witnesses, not mine in a possessive sense, but witnesses that were going to be crucial to help me prove the case. I wanted to make sure I got first crack at the witness so I could lock in their substantive testimony so that if they then begin testifying in other forums, let's face it, human beings, if you're asked to tell a story twice, you're going to be inconsistent. It's human nature. So that's why I always wanted to be the first one to present any important witness to the grand jury, lock in under oath their substantive testimony. And then if they have to testify before Congress or before the D.C. City Council or in a civil case, they got to do that second. It doesn't feel like that sort of normal process has been followed here. We don't know precisely if it's been followed here or not. But I think we both kind of feel like, well, the select committee seems to be taking the lead on a lot of this investigation. So that's out of the norm. That can create problems for prosecutions down the road. But I have to believe that the DOJ and the House are coordinating somewhat on some of these sort of high value witnesses to make sure they're not stepping on each stepping on each other's toes. Yeah, I mean, to me, it makes sense that the DOJ has this information from the Oath Keepers already, or at least the Megs is. But I guess in, in, in another point, couldn't 
the testimony and potential immunity from the January 6th committee be another tool for prosecutors to use to get them to cooperate with them in the Department of Justice? I mean, I I imagine there has to be they can't not be talking to each other, you know? Yeah. Immunity is a bit of a sticky wick because, you know, Congress wants the information. Congress believes it needs to conduct its investigation for legislative purposes, for criminal referral purposes. And so if there are important witnesses like a Mark Meadows, for example, and let me just add a footnote that we are on day 20 of the Mark Meadows indictment watch with nary an indictment handed down yet by the D.C. grand jury. But let's assume Congress is like, listen, we really need to know what Trump was saying to Meadows during the insurrection. So we're going to grant Meadows immunity and force him to testify because Meadows clearly has a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. No two ways about it. Well, if Congress does that and Meadows testifies, that complicates any future prosecution of Meadows. It doesn't make it impossible. But, you know, if we go back to the Iran-Contra days, Oliver North, he was compelled to testify before Congress. He did so under a grant of immunity. He was then prosecuted and convicted of three felonies, but on appeal, his conviction was thrown out because the appellate uh, court, among other things, was concerned that it may be that some of his immunized testimony before Congress actually did creep into the criminal prosecution. So it was used against him in violation of his Fifth Amendment right, Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. So, you know, you have to you have to move very slowly when you're Congress contemplating immunity for any high value witness. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing how this unfolds even more. Again, I think we're going to start seeing more overlap between Department of Justice and the committee. And I think if the Department of Justice is doing what I think it's doing, where I think we're going to start hearing more about criminal investigations that are going on with them. We'll see. And we'll also see what Merrick Garland has to say today. And I look forward to hearing your response to it. I'm looking forward to it too, AG. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks very much. Everybody check out Justice Matters and follow Glenn, Glenn Kirshner on the socials. I appreciate your time today. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes daily nutrition simple. And they love science. And so I love them. You know, stress and poor sleep and a hectic schedule make it difficult for me to maintain effective nutritional habits and provide my body with the nutrients I need every day. And of course, you know, I have gaps in my diet because I intermittently fast and I'm paleo. But thanks to Athletic Greens, all that's changing. The category leading superfood product brings comprehensive, convenient, convenient, convenient daily nutrition to everyone. Just one scoop of AG1 is delicious, first of all. It also contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, probiotics, a green superfood blend, and more in one convenient, delicious daily serving. I take AG1 first thing in the morning. I wake up, take my AG1, have my delicious scoop of yummies, and then I do my workout, and then I have my coffee. And so all of my nutritional gaps are filled because the special blend of high-quality bioavailable ingredients in a scoop of AG1 work together to fill those gaps. They effectively replace multiple products and pills with one healthy, delicious drink. I used to have to have a separate probiotic, a different green superfood blend, a a ton of like 16 different vitamin jars. Now it's all in this one scoop. And it contains less than one gram of sugar. Uh, It uh, has no GMOs, no chemicals, no artificial ingredients. And it's friendly with keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. And best of all, tastes great. 
The thing I love about Athletic Greens, too, is that as the research changes, so does AG1. Most nutritional products never evolve after it hit the market, but Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve AG1 based on science and research. They've produced 53 improvements over the last decade alone and counting. So I highly recommend you give it a try. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And that's when you visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans today. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. I love it. I know you will too. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, photos, pod pets, where's the cat, what's the mutt, whatever you want to do, you can send it in to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact and we will read it on the air. You can remain anonymous. You can give your pronouns if you want. It's all awesome. And we love you. And uh, Dana, I'm going to kick us off with a correction, if that's okay. Yes, please do. And this is from Twitter. And it just says, from a Slavic person. We are all excited about Ivanka's subpoena, but can you please say her name correctly? It starts with a long E sound, not a long I sound. Okay, Ivanka. She sucks and is awful and should be in jail. But every time you mispronounce her name, I cringe. Well, there you have it. I just called her Vonky from now on. With that Vonks. Word, What's up, I, Vonks? Ivanka. No. Ivanka. Ivanka. Vonks. Deutsche Vonk. No, it's Ivanka. Thank you very much for that correction. I appreciate that. I will uh, be mindful about that moving forward. You want to take the next one? I'm happy to. This is from Cheryl. Pronouns she and her. Hey, beans, queens. Greetings from a blue dot in a red state. My cat Skittles. Great name. And I start every morning with the Daily Beans. Mm-hmm. Skittles, a, a baby, <laughs> lost her owner and joined our home two years ago. And we don't know what we would ever do without her. Thanks for keeping us informed and entertained. For my pet tax, I've attached pictures of our sleepy furball and some Halloween pictures of our annual tandem costume. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Tandem costume. Oh, my God. What? What? <laughs> That's amazing. That is incredible. And frightening and awesome. Yeah, all of the above. Love it. Tandem costumes. That's fantastic. Look at this kitty with the blue fuzzy blanket. I had a blanket like that when I was in high school when I had one of those water beds with the rainbow sheets that connect at the top with the pillow. Of course you did. That's the blanket I had. So cute. And oh, look at that, Amy McGrath. That's so cool. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Cheryl. Appreciate you. Next up from Susan, pronouns she and her. I have started this so many times but I'm determined to finish it today. First to all the beans. I'm so grateful to have found you. Never miss an episode of any of your shows. After losing touch with a friend in Australia, I reached out and brought him up to date on what has happened with my family and life. My mom had a stroke in 2019 and requires 24-7 care, so I left my life and job, moved into my brother's house where we care for her and just celebrated her 90th birthday in December. I also filled him in on the changes in my only adult child's life who has revealed they are part of the LGBTQ plus community and is beginning their transition to their authentic self. Nice. When I heard back from him, he revealed that his biological daughter has completed his transition and is much happier in his authentic life. I asked him how he was handling the change since I'm struggling to understand this. I accept the change, but I'm having trouble understanding. He sent me the best answer ever. We don't need to understand. We just need to love, love and support them. Man, you guys get us like once an episode now. This is okay. 
My good news is that both of our families support and adore these incredible young people. I have enclosed pics of three of our five kitties. Bootsy. I love how they just go from, we don't need to understand. We just need to love and support them. Here's Bootsy, our I very know. vocal and expressive caramel and a great tabby. Thank God they do, though. Thank God they do. Aged 14, Sweet Pea, our equally vocal gray and white tabby, age 11. And the diva, shy girl, who needs to be escorted to bed for naps and at bedtime. And is the most beautiful long-haired calico, age 18. Wow. Okay. First of all, the look on the first cat's face is like, what the fuck you want? Oh, look at that calico. Look at her. Look at her mantle. Look at her fur on her chest. She's beautiful. Beautiful indeed. And Susan, I oh, want to give... a beautiful give, submission. Thank you Absolutely. For that. And give you props for just acknowledging I don't understand everything yet. Like that is honesty and that is real. And I'm glad that you have support in that from another parent. It was a beautiful statement. Thank you so much for writing in with that. Next up, we have Allison, pronouns she and her. The past few months have been a little weird. So here's a bit of good news dump. My younger brother had his first child in November. My niece is his pride and joy and fills my heart with so much love seeing him with his baby girl. Then in December, on the anniversary of my mom's passing, I finally traded in my old Focus. I had paid off with my life insurance money for a new car. My fiance can let out a sigh of relief that I have a newer and safer car. And now I find myself making excuses to drive as much as possible to get to ride in my CX-3. Nice. Included our pictures of me and my brother holding my niece and of the brand new car that has quickly become my own baby. Love and happy new year to you, Allison, Dana, Amy, and the rest for being a part of my daily commute to work and for keeping me informed on what else the executive branch is up to. And happy early birthday, Allison. Happy early birthday, AG. That is a beautiful picture of a beautiful human holding a beautiful baby. Girl dads are the best. I mean, all dads are great, but being a, having a girl dad, being a guy, yeah, that's adorable. Oh, look at that Mazda. Whoop, whoop. That's also a fantastic (gasps) t-shirt. Oh my God, the baby's eyes. I know. (laughs) I love that t-shirt. Yeah, me too. So much. Okay, yeah. And the baby. Huh? I know. Oh, that's so great. That's adorable. So Thank you for sending this in. Congratulations. A high five on the Mazda. I love my Mazda. So nice. Next up for, okay, this photo. I know. (laughs) I can't. I know. Hello, A-G-D-G-A-C and the rest. I love my news with swearing. This is Jay, by the way, pronouns he and him. Keeping me abreast of the latest news for my pod pet tax, please accept this picture of my boy's first visit to Santa. Brett on the left and Dylan on the right. Couple of bro dude names for these dogs, Brett and Dylan. Totally. That's awesome. They were one year old at the time and they'll turn nine this month. An Easter photo and a photo of our daily visit to Starbucks. They're Rhodesian Ridgebacks, such good dogs. Brothers from the same litter. Thank you all. Oh, they're really oh beautiful. I know. Look at this handsome with their bow ties. I and... know. Oh, good boys. That the tall one sitting up like with the leg. It's like very, it's very fancy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and they go to Starbucks and sit in the chairs. Of and course have they do. Oh, my God. They have their they little do. pup cups. Look at those. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. They're so cute. Thank you for that. Sending that in. Everybody, again, send in your good news. Um, I can't get over this baby picture. Uh, Send in your good news. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana. Yes. Do you have any final thoughts? Nope, not today. (laughs) Okay. All right. 
Well, um, <laughs> I do have final. Oh, all right. I don't have any final thoughts. I thought I did. And then I don't. Nope, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a little bit of a switcheroo this week. Tomorrow, I am going to be joined by Amy Carrero. And then Friday, I'm going to be joined by Dana Goldberg again for the rest of this week. So look out for that. And then again, of course, tomorrow, I'm really looking forward to my conversation with Officer Dunn, just true, true American hero. And I I felt like, I mean, I I felt like I was in the presence of just an historic, just a hero, man. I don't know how else to, I don't know how else to put it. You don't have to put uh, it anywhere else. That's perfect. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we'll find out uh, if Dana has any final thoughts on Friday. Until then. Until then. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.